Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Haunted American History presents Zachary Christian Bain Birthing Day Part 6 There was a chill in the calm evening air. The sun was still barely peeking up over the horizon. The sound of excited laughter could be heard echoing from every direction. Boot heels clicked on the pavement as half a dozen young witches marched down the tree-lined street. They waved their wands in every direction as if searching for some invisible foe. Each girl wore a new set of brown robes. Their hats sat cocked on their heads. Behind them trailed a duo of mummies. Dirty, tattered cloth hung from their limbs and trailed behind them, dragging along the earth. Their faded faces stared out with dull, unfocused eyes. They creaked brutally as they struggled to keep up with their younger group. Whoever these parents were, they did a great job with their costumes. John and Madge casually strolled down the sidewalk as Zack and Liddy darted up walkways to knock on the doors to say the words that kids waited all year to say. Trick or treat! I can't believe we have a sixth grader. We're not going to have many more years of this, Madge said to her husband as they affectionately watched his son hold his little sister's hand as they returned from getting candy from a very convincing Batman. We'll have Liddy for a while longer, unless she outgrows it. She's already finished playing with dolls. Did you say thank you? Zack, who was dressed as a blue Power Ranger, nodded in agreement before his sister chimed in. I did. Zack has a mouthful of Reese's cups under his mask. I don't know. Zack said from a mouthful of chocolate and peanut butter. Zack, his mother said sternly with a disapproving look. Zack turned back toward the house and made a big waving gesture and let out a muffled, Thank you! The group continued down the street, their bags full of candy and their spirits high. As they turned onto a quieter road, the sound of laughter echoed off the houses. Suddenly, a figure stepped out of the shadows, causing the group to come to a halt. 
He was tall and had a hood obscuring his face. But how he moved suggested he was young. Trick or treat, he muttered, holding out his hand. The group hesitated, but Liddy stepped forward with a grin, her different colored eyes glinting in the moonlight. Of course, we have plenty to share. As she reached into her bag, the figure stepped closer, revealing a glint of metal in his hand. Suddenly, Zack felt a sharp pain in his side and stumbled back, his eyes widening in shock. Zack's hands hurried to his hip. It was damp. He brought his hands up to the front of his face and saw blood dripping. When he looked up, his family was gone. The cloaked figure slowly removed its hood, revealing the face of Xander. Xander's face was twisted in a devilish grin that showed off his sharp, pointed, wolf-like teeth. His eyes glinted with a feral kind of joy as he stared intently at Zack. The corners of his mouth were upturned so far that it seemed like they would meet behind his ears. Zack turned to run, but he was stuck in place. His legs wouldn't move. His heart was pounding out of his chest. He glanced nervously over his shoulder as Xander was getting closer. He tried with all of his might to get his legs to cooperate, but nothing was working. In the distance, he saw his parents and godmother standing at the massive front doors of house. He turned back again, and Xander once again had the face shrouded with the hood. He was closer still. When his eyes returned front, the cloaked figure was standing directly in front of him. Scarred hands reached out from beneath the cloak, gripping Zack by the shoulders. Eyes piercing from beneath the hood. One brown, one blue. It brought its shadowed face up to Zack and screamed, Wake up, Zack! Zack shot up drenched in a cold sweat. His forehead met Abe's cheek and knocked the boy to the floor. Blinking rapidly, Zack fluttered away any remnants of sleep and his heart pounded in his chest. Abe, are you okay? Why the hell did you wake me up like that? Zack said while wiping sweat from his face with the corner of a bedsheet. Yeah, I'm fine. You were thrashing around and talking in your sleep. Sounded like you were having a nightmare. Plus, it's birthing day. How could you still be sleeping? Zack looked over at his clock on the nightstand. It blinked 7.01. Zack shook his head. No, no, I, I, I don't have nightmares, the boy said. You've never had a nightmare? Abe responded with a little bit of awe in his voice. I used to have them nightly. I'd have to change my PJs when I was a kid with how much I would sweat. Yeah, no, I've never had one. Well, once, when I was really little. It was silly, though. What was it about? Abe asked. We had just had family movie night. It wasn't even a scary movie. There was just one thing that really freaked me out. I guess it was because how surreal it was. What movie did you watch? G Before Zach could answer, Shelly poked her head in. Oh, good, you're up. Hi, Abe. Hi, Shelly. Anyone else out there that wants to come in? Zach said with growing impatience. The one thing he enjoyed more than anything was sleep. Good morning, Zach, Frankie said as he peeked his gleaming metal head inside the door. Professor Dracula is hosting a breakfast banquet for all the contestants in 30 minutes, so get out of bed, splash some water on your face, get dressed, and meet us downstairs, Shelley said. More like hosting a last meal, Abe said morosely. Oh, stop it, Abe. You're going to be fine. The probability of Abraham Sif leaving the arena fine today is approximately 402,567 to 1. Odds decrease if he finds himself present in the forest of the... Frankie! Shelly shouted, cutting off her big robot. Would you like Frankie to read you your horoscope? Or perhaps tell you a joke? I think you already did, buddy, Zack said. We'll be right down. Zack and Abe made their way down to the banquet hall in total silence. Not just them the entire school. The few people that passed didn't even look in their direction. This event was taken very seriously, and even though they were safe from mortal harm, it will still definitely hurt. A lot. When they arrived, they were met by Cordelia and Madame Rosamond. Along with most of the other professors, Professor Boffin was in the middle of stuffing his face with corned beef hash as he looked up to greet the boys, potato hanging off his chin. The rest of the room was full of randomly selected students, most of which were at the top of their class, and various other faculty. The council members were sat at their own table in the back corner. They observed, but 
they didn't interact. The long table up front was reserved for the contestants. Shelly was already seated, waiting for the rest. Frankie stood close by. The table had nameplates in front of each seat that looked like they were printed on little tombstones, which was only slightly off-putting. Next to Shelly sat Abe, then Zach on Abe's right. The rest of the table was reserved for the Medwin clan, all of whom were not present. Zach and Abe took their seats and greeted their friend again. Took you guys long enough, Shelly said with a wink. The assembly waited another few minutes with the crowd noise increasing as the time ticked on as the people no doubt were chatting about the obvious absence of the wolves. Cordelia Dracula stood up from the dais on the stage up front and approached the podium leaving behind Professor Rosamond, Boffin, and various creatures that passed for instructors in this school. Welcome to all the contestants, she finally said. Today, you will compete in a series of tests and challenges that will prove your worthiness to become the newest Guardians of the Vale. The council members will be here to observe and provide commentary to each other on the contestants, as well as conjure the birthing day field. You enter as mere students, but only some of you will exit and will be born again. The room fell silent as all eyes turned toward the council. Each member was dressed formally in deep blue robes, trimmed with silver embroidery and boasting a large crest over their breast. The head of the council, Lady Fauna, stepped forward and addressed them. We have come here today with open minds, she said solemnly. This is not only an opportunity for us to see the best students in action, but also for you to show us what you are capable of doing under pressure. She paused dramatically, making eye contact with each of the contestants that were present. Let this day bring out your best qualities, so that we may have no doubts about your abilities, and prepare yourselves for the evils that lie ahead. Abe, Shelley, and Zach looked around nervously at each other, while the council members took turns discussing their predictions about who would be victorious in the competition. They discussed each student's strengths and weaknesses as if they had known them forever, pointing out aspects that many people wouldn't even notice until much later. Mentioning each member of the Medwin clan by name as if they were sitting in front of them, not even mentioning or asking why they weren't present. That's all Zach, Shelley, and Abe could think about. What were they up to? After some deliberation, Lady Fauna spoke again. Now, it is time for us to begin. Follow me. This was it. This was the moment that Zach had been waiting for and dreading. Zach got to his feet and began to follow Lady Fauna. The battle was about to begin. Leading the contestants and the onlookers down a long stone corridor lit by torches, the council led everyone into a large chamber filled with strange contraptions connected to one another, like some sort of magical machine. This was how they were going to conjure the dome. Zack, for whatever reason, was picturing all these wizards standing in a giant circle, holding magic wands in the air. Zack reminded himself that he had to stop thinking like this, that he had all things figured out. Zack turned back and noticed that Cordelia was not with them any longer, but there were a bunch of shadowed figures walking down the corridor. It was the Medwins, being led by Miss Lightstone. Better late than never, eh, Xander? Shelly said. Xander didn't even look at her direction. Before Zack could chime in with a quip of his own, the slamming of stones sounding behind them made Abe and himself jump. The boys turned around to look and the corridor was being sealed. It looked like a brick wall now. You would never know that a long hallway sat behind it. Sybil Lightstone joined the rest of the council around the machine. They all reached inside of their robes and pulled out magic wands. Aha! Zack shouted to himself as they all touched a different part of the machine with the tip of their wands. All of a sudden, the exposed gear started spinning. An ethereal light began to emanate from the center of the machine as a hum that came from it began to grow louder. The ground under their feet began to shake as the floor began to crack behind them. 
The room began to spin as it broke away from the walls and slowly started to rise to the top of the room. Out of the machine was a spout, and the glow that started at the machine's bones shot out with a whoosh and slammed into the ceiling, causing it to explode outwards as sunlight poured in, and they rose out of the dungeon and onto the school grounds. As Zack's eyes adjusted to the light, he saw the entire school was there. Truth is, he heard the roar of the crowd well before he saw them. The whole school, students, faculty, and staff all sitting in bleachers and standing on these floating platforms. He spotted Cordelia and Madame Rosamond standing on one such platform. She gave the boy a reassuring nod. As soon as they had gotten level with the ground outside, the machine seemed to have died. It let out a grinding whine as the spout dropped and the glow ceased. The crowd went silent. Zack looked around at his fellow contestants, and each of them stared out into the field in front of them. And all the way into the distance, the woods of the undead. Zack was confused. He looked around at the fellow contestants and said, So now what? Zack's question was interrupted by an earth-shattering explosion. The machine shot back to life and a beam of orange light as bright as the sun shot out of the spout and into the sky, creating a giant dome of pure energy, 200 feet tall and 25 miles around. Before the beam rested on the ground, it flashed red ever so quickly before returning to a light transparent orange. While everyone was watching the dome stretch along the sky, Zack watched Xander, who didn't even look in his direction. It was because of this that Zack saw Mrs. Lightstone's wand tip change color from orange to red and back again. It was the color change that caught his attention. The witch saw the boy looking in her direction and gave him a devilish smile that made Zack very uncomfortable. Cordelia then stepped forward and raised her hands to the sky. The crowd roared louder than ever before, and the contestants stood in awe. Welcome, brave adventurers. You have come here today in search of glory, and that is exactly what you shall find. The crowd let out a massive cheer as Cordelia continued. You have been chosen for this honorable quest by your school council, and I wish each of you good luck on your journey. Your courage and valor will be rewarded. Fight bravely. And I assure you that no real harm will come to any of you while within the dome. She paused for a moment before continuing her voice growing louder with each word. Now, now Mrs. Lightstone has kindly agreed to teleport the contestants to different parts of the dome so that they may begin their battle. The crowd erupted into applause as Sybil Lightstone cast her spell and each contestant was sent off in a separate direction. The battle had begun. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Zach felt a surge of adrenaline as he materialized in a lush forested area within the dome. The trees towered above him, 
their branches intertwined, casting dappled sunlight onto the forest floor. He could hear the faint chirping of birds and the rustling of leaves, creating a serene yet mysterious atmosphere. Zack cautiously scanned his surroundings, his heart pounding in his chest. The sunlight was peeking through the trees, and Zack brought his head up to shield his eyes. And lucky for him, he did this slowly, because in his hand was a rapier sword. It seems they were armed as they were transported. Before he can gain his bearings and really figure out where exactly he was, he heard a snarl behind him. When he spun around, he saw one of the Medwins creeping up at the distance. Its eyes locked on Zack. It wasn't Xander. His fur, when he was in his feral form, was brown with a white patch on his neck, running up to his jaw. This one was dark with a bluish tint to it. He thought the boy's name was Charles. Easy, Charles. Easy. I hope that's your name and I didn't piss you off more, Zack said while holding his head out in front of him. In his right, tucked up behind his back, was his sword. Back at the floating podiums, Cordelia was watching what was happening around the field as conjured holograms floated in the air for all to see. Zack and the Medwin boy were the first to interact and would be the potential for the first elimination. Something strange was happening. The wolf's eyes began to change color from dark blue to bright yellow. His fur stood on end and he started foaming at the mouth. Before Zack could make a move, he saw something even more shocking behind the wolf. A hell beast. The creature was massive in size, towering over both Zack and the wolf. Its eyes were blazing with fury as it let out an ear-splitting roar before returning to all fours and lunging at the wolf and engaging it in battle. Sparks flew in all directions as their claws clashed and teeth gashed together in a deadly embrace. Zack stood his ground, ready to fight if necessary, but knowing that neither of them had any chance against this beast. He watched as the Hell Beast overpowered the wolf, its strength too great for him to handle, and soon enough, the wolf lay dead on the ground at its feet. Now what? Was the body supposed to disappear? Zack was very confused. The wolf slowly reverted back into a boy, half-clothed and covered in blood. Zack couldn't help but think that somebody had made a mistake. His thought process was abruptly cut short when the beast stood up on its hind legs and placed its heavy clawed foot on Charles's lifeless head and crushed it under his weight like a walnut. The entire school shrieked at the sight. Cordelia shot to her feet and spun around toward the council members. What in the hell was that? That boy is dead! None of the council members moved. The crowd became silent. This was the first birthing day in a generation, so none of the students and even some of the staff didn't know exactly what happens when a contestant was killed in the dome. But Cordelia knew. Something was wrong. Cordelia rushed towards them, reaching out to grab one of them by their shoulders. As soon as her hand made contact, she was hurled off and thrown off her podium. She caught herself in the air and flew back down. Bewitched, she shouted at Madame Rosamond. Elizabeth, without a moment's hesitation, transformed into her old hag form and blasted the council members with a blast of magical energy. The blast hit them and engulfed them in a soft blue light. Elizabeth shouted, Reveal! And all the cloaks that the council members were wearing that shot off their bodies, yanking them in various directions as the cloaks violently removed themselves from them. Cordelia, the cloaks were hexed. Where's Sybil? The council folks dropped to their knees groggily as a cheer rose from the rest of the crowd. All attention returned to the hologram. Zack was facing off with the Hellbeast. The mammoth bull-like minotaur was slowly approaching Zack. Zack thought about running, but this thing would definitely run him down, and he wouldn't go down without a fight. Besides, he thought, what's the worst that can happen? Zack raised his sword up and pointed it toward the beast. Back at the school, the crowd cheered as Cordelia broke into a panic. Take down the dome, she screamed at the council. Unfortunately, there was no taking down the dome. The dome only lifted once only four contestants remained. Zack tightened his grip on the hilt of his sword as the hell beast let out a thunderous roar and charged him. I'll give him this. He showed courage.
tremendous courage. He was not backing down. He stood his ground as the beast thundered closer. Its clawed feet tore trenches into the earth as its hot breath gusted into his face with every roar. Zack braced himself with what he thought was his certain elimination. Cordelia braced herself with what she thought was his certain death. With that, an ear-shattering explosion was heard as an enormous iron fist trailed by a streak of white-hot heat passed by less than a foot from Zack. The fist connected with the forehead of the beast, staggering it back and dropping it to its knees. Following the first boom was another, and following the fist was an open metal hand soaring through the air, grabbing the downed beast by the throat and dragging it across the ground and pinning it against the tree. The hand then began to squeeze until Zack heard a wet crunch and the beast fell limp, just as the first fist shot back in the direction it came. Zack spun around to follow it and standing about 20 yards behind him was Frankie. Frankie stood tall with his arms reached out in front of him, his eyes fixed on Zack. Zack felt his heart racing as he stared at Frankie, unsure of what to say or do. Uh, thanks? He finally managed to stutter out, his voice barely above a whisper. Frankie nodded. You're welcome, Zachary Bain. Shelley instructed Frankie to protect Mr. Abraham Siff as I would Miss Michelle Frankenstein, and then find Mr. Zachary Bain. I was only following commands. Zack stood there for a moment, his breath coming in ragged gasps as he tried to process what had just happened. Wait, you know where Abe is? Hey, Zack. Abe said as he poked his head over Frankie's shoulder. The boy was perched on the robot's back with his feet in what looked like stirrups that were bolted to the robot's back. Abe, what the hell was that thing? Where's Shelly? Have you seen her? Before Abe could answer, the robot's eyes turned from blue to yellow and began to flash. Michelle Frankenstein is 472 yards from our current location in the northwest direction. Several other lifeforms accompany her one of which has almost flatlined vitals. Michelle's heart rate is greatly elevated. I suggest we make haste to offer aid. We're right there with you, Frankie. Let's move. Zachary, I suggest you join Abraham Sif mounted upon my back. We will move much quicker that way. Zach agreed and climbed up on the robot's broad back, both boys each standing with both feet in one stirrup and clutching the robot's head and neck. Frankie took off like a shot, his long, slender legs made incredible strides. Each step seemed to cover 15 feet of distance as he bounded through the dense forest with ease. Abe, so what the hell was that thing? That was no zombie. Something is wrong, Zack. There are hell beasts in this forest, but not like these. When Frankie found me, I was surrounded by these little doughboy-looking creatures. Abe's eyes began to fill with tears. My, my parents were with them. They were walking towards me, telling me I was a failure, that I was no son of theirs. I know that it was my walking nightmare, but I wasn't expecting it to be so real. I snapped out of it when Frankie punched a hole through my dad's chest and set my mom and those little things on fire. Oh, Zack replied, dumbfounded. Have you come across your nightmare yet? Abe asked. No, just that monster, which was a nightmare itself. I told you, Abe, I never really had a nightmare before. Just the one time when approaching location, prepare to engage. As the robot made his way through the last batch of trees into the clearing, Zack could see Shelly. But she wasn't surrounded by hell beasts or zombies. She was surrounded by wolves. She was badly hurt. She was gashed over her right eye and her clothes were slashed and stained with blood. She was waving a spiked club at the approaching wolves, still standing tall and brave still with her stuffed bunny backpack on. When Zack saw the backpack for the first time during practice, he laughed at her, but she insisted it was her good luck charm. She may have been right. What really got the boy's attention wasn't the wolves, but it was the body laying at Shelly's feet. The body of the boy she was protecting from the pack. The body of Xander. The wolves were closing in on Shelly, but she held her ground, swinging her club wildly at the oncoming wolves. Zack and Abe called out to her, but she wasn't hearing them. Frankie let out an electric boom that shook the forest with the force of the sound and the wolves brought their hands up to their heads, covering their ears. 
The creatures, dazed and confused by the sudden noise, looked in the direction of the sound, and instead of attacking Shelly, they charged the robot. Zack and Abe jumped off the robot's back and hit the ground running in the direction of Shelly as Frankie set himself up in the other direction to draw the wolves away. The robot stood his ground, and Zack and Abe watched in awe as Frankie prepared to do battle with the wolves. Shelly, Abe shouted. Are you okay? What happened? Zack followed up. Shelly, who was noticeably banged up and exhausted, she had a much rougher go at it than the boy so far, collapsed to her knees. Somebody made a mistake. Or was trying to kill us. That's what happened. What do you mean? Zack, the odds of us all being sent into the forest are astronomical. The odds of all the zombies being replaced by monsters are even higher. It's impossible, Zack. Someone did this, and they did it on purpose. I don't think the zombies have been replaced, Abe jumped in. When Frankie found me, before he picked up you and Zack... He said his scan picked up a very large grouping of beings with no vitals in the northeast corner of the forest. That's concerning, but we have bigger problems now. What happened to him? Zack said, nodding into the direction of an unconscious Xander. When I came to, I wasn't very far from the pack. That was my first clue that something was up. They were all transported together. They started to pass out these little vials of red liquid to drink, but Xander wouldn't do it. He said something about pride, but before I knew it, the wolves had changed and attacked him. He put up as good of a fight as he could, but they were too much. I don't know what they drank, but it changed them. They're savage, Zack. Savage. Shelly picked herself up from the ground and wiped the tears from her eyes and nose with the back of her arm. I hit them with everything I had, but they just kept coming. Soon they were on me. I would have been dead if it wasn't for Xander. He was torn and bleeding, but he still tried to protect me. He kept them from getting to me. Shelly was about to cry again, but Zack put his hand on her shoulder. Why did he have to die, Zack? Why did he have to die for me? Shelly asked in the most heartbreaking voice that he had ever heard. I'm so sorry, Shell. I'm so sorry. We'll avenge his death, I swear on my life. Zack looked down at the ground, now tears streaming from his face. Together. We'll beat this, Abe chimed in. The choked voice of Xander from their speak folk between phlegmy coughs. I'm not dead, you morons. But I will be if we don't get out of here. Look, the robot's about to fall. <coughs> Frankie was holding the wolves at bay, but Zack and the others could tell that the robot's energy was waning. No, please no, Frankie, no, Shelly shouted. The robot was engaged in battle, but there were too many of them. The wolves darted in and out, slashing and ripping ribbons of metal from the robot's body. Frankie's face turned to Shelly. One of his blue metal eyes was hanging out by a wire out of its socket, and his jaw was hanging off at its hinge. The robot's voice emanated from its box, and his one eye flashed. Command parameters updated. Zachary Bain. Remove Michelle Frankenstein and Abraham Sif from location. Self-destruct protocol initiated. Shelly let out an ear-piercing scream as one of the wolves darted towards Frankie, tearing his leg off at the knee joint. Frankie fell in a heap, tearing at the earth with a hand that was missing several fingers. Sparks flew from the torn metal as a countdown began. With the beginning of the countdown, the wolves stopped their attack. They looked at each other and began to slowly back away into the tree line before darting into the woods. They're running, Abe said. The robot is going to blow, so should we, Xander croaked. His name is Frankie, Shelly cried, and he saved your life. The least you could do is say his name. Frankie, disengage, you don't have to do this, they're gone. Frankie didn't seem to consider this. Self-destruct protocol disengaged. Critical injuries detected. Vacating area is recommended. Frankie's energy core is depleting rapidly. Estimated time of depletion is 3 hours and 24 minutes, unless critical damages can be repaired. Shelly approached her companion with tears streaming down her face, both tears of pain and gratitude. Elevated heart rate detected. I'm okay, Frankie. Thank you. We'll get you out of here. 
Shelly turned to her friends with a new look of determination on her face. Let's end this and get out of here. We have three hours. Let's go wolf hunting. Frankie, stay here. Heart rate indicates rage. Would you like Frankie to break the tension by telling you your horoscope or perhaps a joke? Before Frankie could finish his sentence, sparks began to shoot from his mouth and eye hole as a small, off-white colored demon came boring out of the robot's chest. About a dozen more of them came drilling out of the ground around the robot. Their heads looked like little drill bits until they were fully on the surface. Then their heads seemed to get doughy and round out. With little needle teeth bared, they charged. No! Frankie! Shelly shrieked. Oh no, not again! A panic Abe shouted. Shelly cradled the hulking mass of metal that was curled on the ground, sparks and oil shooting from the hole in its chest. Please, Frankie, get up! The robot reached up with its one working arm and gently touched Shelly's cheek. He then firmly grabbed her arm in his fist and rocketed his hand from his forearm in the direction of Zack and Abe. The boys caught the girl and the hand dropped to the ground with a thud. From the hole in his wrist, a small cannon poked out and began shooting these little creatures as they changed direction and swarmed the down robot. Shelly, Zack, and Abe watched as these little monsters ripped the robot apart, but not before he thinned their numbers. A teary-eyed Zack helped Shelly to her feet. Come on, we have to go, Zack shouted. I can't leave him. He's gone, Shelly. What would his sacrifice be worth if we stuck around to die? We have to regroup. Before Zack could say another word, the ground under their feet shook with tremendous force. Oh God, what now? Abe said nervously. In the distance, the treetops were shaking violently. The trees were bending away from each other with each thunderous crash. Shelley was on her hands and knees, tears pouring down her cheeks. Xander was propping himself up on his elbow to get a better look as a stunned Zack stood with his mouth open. No, it can't be. What is it, Zack? It can't be. It was only once. It, it, it can't be. What's happening, Zack? Your nightmare? The earth quaked around them as the doughboys dealt the finishing blow to Frankie, extinguishing the light in his eyes permanently. Shelly, we have to go now. Abe, help me with Xander. Abe and Zack grabbed Xander under both arms and heaved the boy to his feet. He let out an audible groan. From the direction of the quake, the wolves poured out of the tree line back into the clearing, teeth and claws bared. The boys turned to run to head into the woods behind them as a half-dozen minotaur-looking bull demons emerged. They were cut off. Boom. What do we do? Abe said, a nervous quiver in his voice. What's coming, Zack? What did you do, Zack? Xander said through gritted teeth. Zack's mouth hung open in disbelief. It was only once, when I was a little kid. They turned to face the tree line just as a giant white head with a blue and white sailor's cap broke the treetops and came into view. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. You're kidding, Xander said. It scared me to death as a kid. I don't know. I was like six. Distracted by the surreal sight of a giant marshmallow man being led by a pack of wolfmen, they forgot about the demons coming up behind them. Until they heard the gurgling scream come from Shelly as one of them impaled her with its spike horns on its head. No! Abe shouted as the beast shook Shelly like a ragdoll and hurled her lifeless body into a tree. The wolves began to charge as the demons galloped toward the boys. Zack and Abe, with Xander held between them, dove out of the way as the two groups met in the middle and began to battle. Abe shot to his feet to run to Shelly, but Zack rammed him. No, Abe, it's suicide. Abe shrugged Zack off and ran to Shelly as Zack dragged Xander to the trees. Maybe they'll kill each other, Xander coughed. Abe zigged and zagged until he reached Shelly. He knelt down next to her body and turned her over. She was covered in blood. Her eyes were wide open. She wasn't breathing. She was dead. Abe clutched her body to his chest, crying. 
She was the only friend the boy had until Zack had showed up. He held her body tight and he let out a guttural scream of grief. Something happened then. A light began to pour from the boy's eyes and mouth. His entire body began to glow, and the glow slowly engulfed Shelley. Well, well, <clears throat> he's not useless after all, Xander said. Zack looked at the boy confused. He can revive. A difficult magic to stumble upon, no surprise the empty-headed instructors in this place missed it. The wound in Shelley's chest began to close as her eyes shot open, full of bad intentions. She sat up with a shot, kissed Abe on his cheek, and jumped to her feet. She unslung her bunny backpack and held it firmly in her left hand. She looked at Abe, across to Zack and Xander, and into the battle in between them and the giant marshmallow man making his way toward them. You want to know why I'm on the outs with my family, Abe? Why I struggle so hard with the sciences? Congratulations on unlocking your abilities, Abe. I wish I had a loved one to congratulate me when mine showed up. What? Abe looked at Shelley confused. There has never been a magical Frankenstein. Before he could say another word, Shelley hurled her backpack into the fray. With her right hand, a ball of red swirling light appeared. She threw it at her pack, making contact with it just over the battle between the wolves and the demons. The bunny exploded with a fiery light growing over eight feet tall and engulfed in flames. The bunny landed and let out an ear-splitting roar before it began swiping at both demon and wolf. The smell of burnt hair filled their nostrils as wolves and demons scattered. Abe and Shelley rejoined Zack and Xander huddled behind the tree as a giant flaming stuffed bunny was thrashing everything in its path. This is a fever dream, Zack said. We're going to have to figure something out, Abe said. We're unarmed and Xander is useless, and as awesome as the rabbit is, it won't take them all out. Abe, awesome powers. Shelly, I'm happy you're not dead. We'll celebrate later, but does anyone remember the direction Frankie said the zombies were? Shelly pointed in a direction behind Stay Puff. That way, why? I have an idea. Stay here and stay alive. With that, Zack darted into the direction of the giant marshmallow man. He grabbed the attention of his nightmare, as well as the bunny and wolf. The bunny was taken by the marshmallow man, and made a tremendous leap and latched onto the giant's chest. The forest began to become covered in melted marshmallow as it began to stumble and melt all around. The wolf made chase to Zack. Zack's heart raced as he scrambled away from the pursuing wolf. He had to use every ounce of his athletic ability to keep the beast from getting to him or at the very least, keep pace ahead of it. Zack could hear his destination up ahead. The disembodied moans were getting louder and louder the closer he got. He only had one shot at this. Mom? Dad? I could really use some help on this one, Zack thought as he cleared the brush and into the clearing where hundreds of zombies stood. To your left, Xander shouted. Abe ducked and Shelly swatted a doughboy with a thick branch directly into the face of a wolf. That was enough to get the wolves and demons fighting again. The wolves were enraged but unfocused. The slightest thing would distract their rage and send them fighting anything nearby, sometimes even among themselves. These distractions were enough to buy Abe, Shelly, and Xander time to recoup and catch their breath. The enemy numbers were thinning. There were only three doughboys two minotaur demons, and five wolves. Stay Puff was all but a puddle now, with the bunny, covered in sticky goo, stuck in its center. The wolves and demons were pitched in a ferocious battle, but at the end, three wolves remained, and now their attention was on the three survivors. They made their approach. Xander attempted to plead with his cousins, but there was no use. The engine of these vicious cars were running, but there was no one behind the wheel. They started walking toward the three, their fur sticky and matted with blood. Abe, Shelley, and Xander readied themselves as the wolves closed in, their eyes glinting with rage. The thick tension hung in the air as the wolves drew closer. 
their fierce snarls echoing through the clearing. Cordelia, Elizabeth, and the rest of the onlookers watched helplessly as the council members shook the grog out of their heads. Abe looked at Shelley, exhausted, and he smiled, happy to be dying with a friend. Suddenly, from behind them, they heard footsteps, hurried footsteps crunching on dead leaves, sprinting footsteps. Zack exploded from the tree line, screaming, Run away! They're not like Romero's! Shelly looked at Abe, confused and mouthed, Romero's? As they watched Zack dart past them and right through the approaching wolves, who were just as confused as everyone else. Shelly grabbed Xander and threw his arm over his shoulder. Abe took the other arm and they quickly began to run. Rushing out of the trees was the wolf that followed Zack, but he wasn't chasing him. He was running from something. He crashed headfirst into his pack, knocking them down like bowling pins as dozens of zombies came pouring out of the tree line. Abe, Shelley, and Xander just managed to pass the wolves as the zombie group and the wolves made contact. The battle was quick and bloody. When the last wolf fell, the sheen that covered the sky vanished and the dome dissolved. Cordelia was on them in an instant, and she dispatched the zombies quickly and without prejudice. Zack was lying on his back, trying to catch his breath as Abe and Shelly ran to him. You sick, sick man, Abe said. Better late than never, Shelly shot back. Xander crawled over to the bodies of his fallen pack. Cordelia, Elizabeth, the council, hell, everyone joined the survivors on the ground. Xander looked up at Cordelia and the council. Why aren't they coming back? Elizabeth, trying to break the tension, announced, Ladies and gentlemen, these your new guardians. The applause was scattered and weak. Everyone wanted answers. A tense silence hung in the air as the survivors looked to Elizabeth for guidance. In an instant, Xander was in his wolf form, diving toward the council. What did you do? Cordelia blocked and subdued the boy. Xander, calm down. It wasn't them, they were hexed. Turning to address anyone who could answer, she shouted, Where's Sybil? Deep in the forest of the undead, the zombie horde was still piling into the clearing into the back of the dense woods. Floating above them was a witch on her broom. Levitating next to her were hundreds of small vials of red liquid. She muttered, two steps forward, one step back. Good luck, guardians. With that, an energy beam shot from her fingertips and exploded the vials, raining a red mist upon the zombies' heads. She floated to the ground and pulled a small trinket from her pocket. With a grand circling gesture, she waved it in the air and tore a hole in reality. Out of the hole, a yellow cab with NYC Taxi written on its door spilled. The driver had no time to be confused as he was instantly pulled from the car and eaten alive by a now ravenous group of zombies. Sybil let out a call. Boys! This way! The zombies began dashing into the hole, directly into Times Square. The screams could be heard pouring through the woods. Cordelia and her new team heard these cries, but before they could react, an ear-splitting crash was heard like a gunshot, and a bright orange light filled the woods around them. Standing ten yards from them was a figure in a black cloak. Cordelia dashed to the front of her team, shouting, Behind me! Teeth bared and fingernails extended into razors. Zack whispered to himself, The figure in black. As Shelley asked who that was, That's my father's cloak, Cordelia said. The figure turned around and lowered its hood. It was a woman. Black hair flecked with gray. Her skin covered in deep scars. On her hips sat two holsters with revolvers hanging against her thighs. Her eyes looked up at Zack. One brown, one blue. Liddy? Zack said. The figure spoke. Oh no. I'm too late. I'm Christopher Feinstein. And this is Zachary Payne. I want to thank every single one of you who uh, listened to this story and were so engaged with it. 
And if you're one of the people who hate the story, you have no fear, because this is the end. Obviously, it ended on a cliffhanger. When I first came up with the idea for Zachary Bain, I wanted to do it as a book. I've said it many times, I'm still working on the book, but a book? Writing, turns out writing a book takes a lot of time. And in order to dedicate the time for that, I have to neglect one thing. I can't neglect my day job because that pays the bills. I can't neglect my family. Well, maybe I can neglect... No, 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 I can't neglect my family. And I can't neglect the podcast because you guys all fall into the whole family umbrella. So it's going to take some time for me to carve out the time to uh, write the book. But it's coming, but in the meantime, um, I'm trying to figure out different ways to progress the story. When I had the idea for the book, it was going to be three parts. Obviously, this is birthing day, the ceremony, this is part one. Part two goes into the revival of Dracula, where Lydia's been, and how she came across Lawman's guns and Dracula's cloak. And, you know, we go into that story and so on and so forth. What I'm thinking of doing is writing it out as a series to be put into podcast form. So an audio drama, but a fully scripted audio drama with a cast, with, you know, immersive sound and things. I think I've talked about this before, that this was a plan that I wanted to do. And uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and do it, but... I want to do it correctly. I want to maybe try and raise money for it. So I might put together like a Kickstarter kind of thing. See if I can raise money to really, really do it correctly. But um, this is also why it took me so long to put this episode out. There's a lot of details and things. So basically when you had the idea to write a book and you compress it into six little episodes for a podcast, you have to omit a lot of things. And then I got to the last part and I'm like, Oh my God, all the planning that I've done, I've built this whole world and all these characters that are going to affect the ending. And I cut some of them out because I wanted to condense the story. And now I have to figure out how to get around it. So like the Medwin clan and cousin Charles and Mrs. Lightstone and other council members, other students, other teachers, other contestants is more than just Abe, Shelley, and Zach, but I had to cut it down. And there's also more cameos besides the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man, but again, I had to cut that down. That I couldn't leave out because that's my favorite. But anyway, yeah, so that's the story. That's Zachary Bain. Thank you all so much. If you stuck with me this long, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't, I cannot I just can't put into words how grateful I am to be able to tell people this story and for people to have enjoyed it as much as they did. So stay tuned um, for information on the series, which I'm really going to try to get launched in the new year. Um, and stay tuned for the, I guess, Kickstarter. Probably a Kickstarter I'm going to put up for it. Stay tuned for that. And uh, thank you all so much. I love you. Thank you for taking this journey with me. And, uh, yeah. Later, folks. <laughs>